0: Well, guys, uh, good to see everybody here this morning. Good, uh, got a lot of visitors again. I don't know. uh, We keep uh, scaring people off, and they keep on coming back. I don't know what's going on. So this is—it's a fun church to be a part of. Amen, amen. Here's the deal. uh, Got—I went to the. uh, By the way, I'm Casey. I'm one of the. uh, Oh man, I got. Could somebody lower that blind right there? I mean, it is blinding. I apologize. How's the temperature in here? By the way, hot, cold? You guys good? Feeling good? All good? Okay. Anybody need more coffee? Are we all right? Okay, okay. Right. I'm just checking, just checking. you got to feel the pulse, everybody, man. I tell you, I want genuine enthusiasm for Jesus Christ, amen? Come on. Um, and if I haven't met you, my name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, in New City. And, uh, man, we are in in love with uh, what God is doing in our church, what he is, the kind of favor that he is bringing to us I don't think anybody really expected it, so we are as much as humbled and in awe of what God is doing here in our church. And some of you are new that have, have come here for the first time, come here for the second or third time, and you've already declared this to be your church. Um, man, I tell you, that's, that's an amazing, wonderful thing. Man, we welcome you guys, love you guys, and uh, real excited to see what God is, is doing in, uh, in New City. Amen. One of the things we tell people is that what what we do is we get engaged with the community to find out what is going on. We don't want to do things for uh, the city of Edgerton that are not important to the city of Edgerton. So one of the things we went to this past week is a uh, the state of the city address that Mayor Don gave, and uh, Mayor Don and his wife Shelby are actually uh, out of town, not able to be with us this morning uh, for a, a, a medical emergency for Shelby's mom. So be uh, praying for her uh but one of the things that is uh, found striking and you know we keep saying there's a lot of people coming to our city a lot of people coming to our area that in in the city of edgerton this is our town that there were over 800 new jobs uh uh, like produced out of the logistics park kansas city that's crazy stuff man so you can find some stuff uh this is the uh state of the city 2015 um uh magazine we've got it out on the uh coffee bar out there but i mean do you think like what happens when 800 jobs are produced what happens people start coming right people start coming to live in this area people start coming to to bring families here jobs come here i mean all kinds of things start happening and then we've got to ask who is god going to trust to bring the spiritual maturity of these people to bring christ to these people who's he going to trust is it going to be us or somebody else i pray that it's us amen And that's why we're here, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. I'm going to give this to who wants to look at it. All right. You can look at that. You can look at that while I'm talking and all kinds of stuff. It's all good. But again, uh, my name is Casey, and I'm going to adjust my – I did something probably dancing to that last song. I tried to avoid because Judy always elbows me when I do. I'm going to mess up something with my – you guys hear me okay? All right, cool, cool. Guys, know that we've been going through what's called the story for a little while. We're taking a little bit of a break. We've taken a couple of breaks in between um, to do some different things and to kind of align things with uh, things like Easter and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. But right now, we're taking a little bit of a break from the story, and we're going through a series called At the Cross. By the way, where's Adara a Handley in the house? There, there. Woo, woo. She, ooh, ooh. I think she even got like a what, what of that? That's pretty good. Dig it, girl. All right. Um, yeah, she actually Adair actually did the the graphics for the cover of our bulletin this this uh, series. So it's really kind of a kind of a neat thing. Great graphic designer we got. Being raised up in Hizzle, thank you, Miss Lissa, for uh, teaching her the ropes. I appreciate that. So very cool. Um, so. But you know we've been going through what's called The Story. It's an abridged version of the Bible and it's not something we want to replace the Bible with. We want to pe- people to uh, actually be pointed to the Bible, be able to understand the scriptures more and more and more. We believe that the Bible is the inerrant, inspired, complete word of God. We have that that it is without error and I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in just a second. But right now we're taking a little bit of a break from The Story and we're going to do we're talking what's called At the Cross and it's the seven things Jesus said from the cross and if you recall two weeks ago uh jesus said uh, in luke 23 34 he said jesus said father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and they divided up got divided up his clothes by casting lots i wanted to talk about that casting lots because that's all luke 23 said about casting lots casting lots but what he said was father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and two weeks ago we had about 50 folks man i it was actually 49 it says it sounds better if i say almost 50 but there were almost 50 uh, people that had had written down whoever it was they were going to be forgiving and laid it right right down right here there were a lot of people that said man i feel for the first time uh, a weight has lifted off my shoulders it's a wonderful thing now i want to encourage you though here's the deal uh if we're not careful that unforgiveness and that anger and that bitterness can creep right back in so be very careful. Be on guard about those things, man. Be in the word. If you honestly are forgiving someone, continue to pray for them. Remember I said sometimes it feels like you're almost going to puke if you, when you start doing it? Well, once you start doing it and your heart starts to soften, you'll start forgiving and actually have a, have a love for the people that you're angry with. I know that sounds strange, but man, I'm telling you, if we, what Christ said is if we can't be forgiven, if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. So that's why it's so important for us to, to be the ones that, that take the initiative and forgive, last week, Chris, my buddy, Mo Nine was in the house, man. Was that not awesome? Ooh, man, uh, that guy, Chris Moix, man, just blew it. I listened to the podcast on Monday mornings. By the way, you can listen to these anytime you want to. I've had several people ask, hey, how can, is it recorded? I, I see it being recorded on video, that kind of thing. Uh, looks like by the beginning of March we should have these online. That kind of thing I've been told, so um, be looking out for those things. But you can, at the very least, look at the podcasts and uh, find out whether or not, um, or, or find out. You know, like I think by Sunday afternoon it's up on the websites. If you have the the uh, app, you can actually get on the app, look at the podcast, listen to the podcast. It'll take you right to it. Um, but listen, what what Jesus said last week on the cross was that Jesus answered him. And he answered the thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. So here's Jesus uh, crucified among some very horrible guys, right? They're both hurling insults at him. And one of them, his heart all of a sudden said, look, this guy's done nothing wrong. He goes, Jesus, remember me, right? He goes, I promise you today, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise, and and Chris talked about that, that, that eternality, that, that perspective that he has with, uh, with uh, that Jesus has on the cross, that he's not thinking about the here and now. He's not thinking about those kinds of things. He's thinking about the future, eternity. And this week, what I want to talk about is one of the most controversial and, and frankly misunderstood and, and frankly misapplied scriptures that we can, that, that, that is in all of scripture, and it's when Jesus said in John 19, 26 through 27, when Jesus saw his his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, most scholars believe that's John. John is described in many other places as the, the disciple that Jesus loved. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And and a lot of people look at this and they they think, "Man, this is this is what it's kind of a weird thing for Jesus to do. All of a sudden he gives his mom said, "Mom, my biological mom, I'm going to give you now you're no longer uh, you're the mom to those guys. You're this is now your son." And a lot of people look at that and they go, "Whoa, this is kind of wild." Catholics actually believe this to be evidence that Jesus had no brothers or sisters or any other siblings. And that's how they say, um, they, they say that Mary remained a perpetual virgin. If you have ever grown up in the Catholic faith or anything like that or have been involved in the Catholic faith, you know that they considered Mary to be a, a virgin and they use this verse to say that. They say certainly Jesus would have given his mother to his real brothers, right, his blood brothers. I mean, he wouldn't have, he would have said, hey, James, bro, man, you're the man of the house now, you know. I'm going to be gone, but, but now take care of mom for me, right? You've got to buck up and be the man. You've got to get a job, and you've got to do the right things. No, he says, mom, this is the disciple that I love. This is now your son. This is now your mother. And they go, and they live together. It's kind of wild, isn't it? But the problem with that thinking, the problem with the, the Catholic approach to Jesus had no brothers or sisters is that Jesus' siblings were mentioned a whole bunch of times in scriptures. It's like Matthew 12, Matthew 13, Galatians 1, where Paul actually mentions James, the brother of Jesus, that he met with him. And in Mark 3, brothers, sisters, all this kind of stuff is mentioned. So you have to like, get over a whole bunch of other scripture to have that kind of philosophy and a lot of people believe it but it just doesn't match up with scripture and we're all about matching up with scripture amen that's what we do see unbelievers also use this verse as a way to portray jesus in a negative light so well, that's kind of mean in jesus right that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of mean for him to disrespect his family like that skeptics use this first to, to to claim that there are discrepancies in the bible like well you know you got the him saying this to his mom in this gospel but this gospel over here doesn't say anything about it that's a discrepancy don't you think don't you think that's a discrepancy it's discrepancy right i mean that's a they don't even say the same thing how can you trust the gospels when they don't say the same thing man and i, and I just love that 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 each gospel has different details, but they're not contradictory. See, I, you, ever, you guys ever watch the, the, the investigative reports on TV and stuff like that where they're trying to, what's up? Everybody's like waving. You know I get distracted easy. I'm cool. Everybody like looking back. Don't wave to me. I'm telling you. I'm like, hey. Oh, wait. I got to give a message. But you ever listen to those, those uh, investigative reports on TV? Good night, guys ever ever an investigative report on tv where they they're trying to fit like the first 48 hours anybody ever watch that like this about you know who's watching all right cool because i hear some i, mean, I don't know man i just i'm one of, those, one of those guys if you guys need more coffee we got plenty it's all good but you've you ever watched what they do they'll take these guys as wit like witnesses and stuff and they'll put them in a in a in a room by themselves and they won't take witnesses and put them in rooms together, if you ever notice this. Why? Because when they're asking, hey, give me, the, give me what you saw, they're not going to look at each other. Did you see that? Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, I'm okay. And they, they, they don't want to corroborate like, based on the, those kinds of things. If anybody's ever been a detective, you know this. You sit people down by yourself and you say, okay, what did you see? And if they give different details, but the, basically the crux of the account is about the same, they know they can count on the eyewitness evidence. Here's what they look for. They look for extreme differences. Yeah, it was a car, there was no car. Yeah, it was a person, it was not a person. Those kinds of things. Or they look for the exact same details. That, that if you're like if you say, yeah, it was a red car, it was a 1972 Pontiac, blah, blah, blah. And it had, had gold stripe on the outside and had chrome wheels. And they were, uh, you know, this, and got like extreme details. And all of a sudden, you know that those two witnesses have corroborated their stories to try to make their stories right. They can't trust them. So when we look at the scriptures and look at the Gospels and things like that, man you, gotta, you look at that and you go, "Wow, this is kind of neat. Each gospel has uh, differences but not contradictions. Details here, details here that are complementary. I mean, I was watching one of those story, one of those uh, shows, and they were saying, "Hey, what did the getaway car look like?" And they, were, they had this witness sitting there by themselves, and they, he's like, "Man it, it was a, a bright colored car. Um, man, I know it had like a a vanity plate, but the thing that that I got was, like, there was this huge pink dice in the front, like, they were just swinging back and forth, and I think that's what distracted me, and then you talk to the next person, and they said, well, I, I, I know it was a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh, and it had dice in the mirror, right, and, and this cab was rare, and then somebody said something about yo home to Bel Air, I, I, I'm not sure, and then they put out a warrant for Will Smith's arrest, right, you know, so, but you get that those are differences of, of, of details, but they, they can trust those two accounts, right? And by the way, you know how they count? They found Will Smith, first time it had snowed, I think the, I think the TV said 34 years, uh, yeah, the first time it had snowed in that area of California in 34 years. They found Will Smith because they were able to track his fresh prints. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. You know that's not true. That's not a true story. I know, it was Carlton that did it, so. Just kidding, just kidding. Uncle Phil got them all off with a warning, so. Uh, but what we'll notice in the scriptures is that Jesus is divinely consistent. Divinely consistent, even on the cross. Let me look at, more, look at John 19, where he says this about his mom. Look at it in a little bit more context. And we read this, in, like I said, in Luke 23 a couple of weeks ago. And what I love about this account is that they're different details, same account. Look, verse 23 says, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. By the way, Jesus was completely naked on the cross. One of the most humiliating ways to be punished. This garment was seamless, woven into one, in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to, to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister. Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing by. He said to her woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her, took her into his home. Why would Jesus do this, though? See, some of us still struggle with this. this. This seems like it's like an insult to his personal family, doesn't it? I mean, isn't the expectation of Jesus to go to, James, bro, take care of mom for me, man. You're the man of the house, right? But look what he does. You guys remember last week, Chris, talking about his wife and that, that talk about the struggle that they're having right now with her, her cancer. And there's like a, like, a, like a chance that she may not live very, in fact, a strong chance she may not live very much longer. But what they're doing, they're making their decisions based on what he called eternality. And I had to look that word up. I wasn't sure if it was a word. I, I listened to the podcast. Is eternality a word? It is a word. He said they're basing everything that they do on eternality, meaning that when the world says, hey, Chris, you guys may not have that much time together, you might want to just relax, go on vacations, spend time with one another, really love on one another. What they're doing is that they're actually going out and intent, intently going out and making more disciples, because according to Rachel, his wife, she says, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging, because they're thinking eternally, right? See, so this is what Jesus has done on the cross. See. What he said, the first thing he said that we've talked about, forgive them, Father, they do not know what they are doing. See, the world's going to go, uh, oh, God, strike these guys down. Oh, you guys are going down, right? That's what the world would say to do, and if you're thinking about the here and now rather than, than in eternity, those are the things that will be said, but Jesus isn't. He's saying, forgive them, Father. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise, not, sorry, bro, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have insulted me. I'm the son of God, man, Right? Said today you'll be with you. He's even forgive that guy. And then he says, "Now this is your mother, not James. Now you're the man of the house. Brothers, sisters, take care of mom for me while I'm gone." Didn't say any of that. He says, "This is your mother." And and what Christ did was divinely, in essence, adopt Mary into the eternal family of God. See, we're going to be going through and and what's called you know, what if the church here along we have other churches come in we are gonna have other pastors i'm gonna go we're gonna exchange pastors and all that kind of stuff we're gonna serve in different areas and it was really cool you guys remember uh, that we did that last year melvin um, pastor melvin came in from from uh, kansas city missouri and i got to go to his church and i mean his church is wild man had had all kinds of people sleeping and everything like that and it was just a it was like a like a homeless church it was co- really a beautiful thing but i uh, had people talking back to me and everything it was pretty awesome but um uh, it was really it was one lady man she was like on it no one guy he he knew the scriptures like great it was fantastic but we're doing that kind of thing but what we're doing this year is actually we're going to be looking at when what would it look like if we actually eradicated the foster care system the need for foster care man that would be amazing see if one church every single church adopted one person in the state of kansas it'd be done with man would that not be awesome and so all that is is a is a practical application all adoption is, is a practical application of a godly standard. This is why women uh, or, or, or men should open doors for the ladies. Guys, I'm going to be preaching. Oh, I'm going to be preaching about manners right now. Why? Because the Scriptures upholds the ladies in Scripture. I know the world will say, oh, all the old Bible says women should be barefoot and pregnant. That's not even true. The Bible says that men ought to treat women like queens, right? Open the doors for the ladies. Carry them for the stuff for the ladies, right? All that except for the purses. Don't touch the purses, man. You get in trouble for that. But carry everything else, guys. I don't want to see la- I don't want to see ladies like like going out and and, and not having the doors open for them, man. I was a, a, I went to Waffle House this morning. I was supposed to meet a guy there. He got sick, so I stayed and had a couple of bacon and cheese omelets, which are God's favorite meal. I'm telling you, Whew, a Waffle House omelets are the bomb, dot com, boy. Hey, man, that's all right. I'm telling you, man. You guys know we're going to go into lunch and have some more, but. I mean, there was a lady, man. Like the her husband opened the door for, her, and then she opened the door for him, and he walked right through. And she's like, "Go ahead." I'm like, "I, I can't." You know, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. You know, we stood there for like 20 seconds. She's finally was like, oh, "Fine." You know, like, sorry. I mean, just guys. I'm telling you, these are things. These are practical applications of godly standards. I'm gonna get back to the message now, if that's cool. Just felt like I needed to. I feel like I was in youth. Every time we we're in youth, man, every time we had to deal with youth or anything like that, it's like, guys, carry the lady's stuff, except for the purses. <laughs> Let me ask you guys, because this is a, is this like, I've heard people say things like, well, Jesus may have been, when he said this, may have been in hypovolemic shock, maybe all this loss of blood and all this kind of stuff that, that made him just, free, maybe thought that that, that was actually uh, James or maybe he thought that was one of his brothers and he hallucinated and all that kind of stuff man but but it doesn't match up with the rest of scripture and I'm going to go I'm going I'm to land this plan I'm going to finish this message kind of talking about two accounts where, where Jesus did this very same thing Matthew 13:53 through 58 so when Jesus had had finished these parables he moved on from there coming to his hometown oh he's coming home Going to go see mama. He began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Listen to what they said. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they said? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Talking about Joseph. Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his, listen to this, brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Aren't all his sisters with us? Wait, Jesus had brothers and sisters? Where then did this man get all these things and they took offense at him? Guys, I call this the the powdered butt syndrome, man. If anybody ever has ever powdered your butt, they don't take you very seriously when you try to talk to them about Christ. Right? And a lot of you young folks are like, amen. Right? Think about that. I mean, if you see somebody growing up, you're like, I knew this kid when they were still wet in the bed, man. Now they got all this wet. I don't think so. It's hard, right? Hard for a lot of us. But so this is what happens, man, when you when you start looking at these things, because Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith, the immediate blood relative family, and even close friends and even people that you grow up with can be the most resistant to our rebirth. Amen? It's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Like, man, I knew you when you were on drugs, man. I knew you when you were partying. I knew you when you were out of your mind, did evil stuff. And now you 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 know this Jesus guy. Oh, I'm going to wait. Guys, don't be impatient when people don't believe you right off the bat. A lot of people are not going to believe you right off the bat, but over time, when they see that this is not a joke, this is not a fad, this is not just some sort of a a new thing that you're trying to see if you can improve your life, that you actually love and follow Jesus, man, eventually they will be on board. My parents, both of them, both know the Lord now. None of us grew up in the church. Amazing. Amazing. Mark 3, 20 through 34. When Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. Ooh, mama going to take care of this. For they said, he's out of his mind. His own family thought he was crazy, Right? And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he's possessed by uh, Beelzebul. Is that right? By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. And his family even thought he was crazy, right? So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And look at Jesus' personal biological household, divided on who he is. Maybe they were actually united in who he is, it sounds like. The cool thing is, though, we do know that his family came to know him after the resurrection, which is a powerful, powerful testimony to the validity of a risen Christ. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins. And every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And he said this because they were saying, He's, he has an um, impure spirit. And Jesus' mother and his brothers arrived. Oh, they got there. We're going to take, take care of Jesus because he's crazy. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him, go get Jesus for us. We're here. crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Ooh, Jesus is in trouble. Who are my brothers? My mother and my brothers, he asked. And he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my brothers, my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. He said the same thing on the cross. John, this is your mother. See, whoever does the will of God is family. Now, I'm not trying to disrespect mom and pop or anything like that. I'm not trying to disrespect your biological uh, affiliations of any kind. What I am saying is that the the, the eternal family, the, the family, those who do the will of God, are the ones that are going to be family for all of eternity. Amen? You're my brother, you're my sister, you're my mother, you're my brother, if you do the will of God, and if I do the will of God, and we get to go into heaven for all of eternity together as genuine, true family, the way God has intended. Is that not awesome? Does that not blow your mind? And so when skeptics look at this, well, I don't understand, that just doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't, because we're stuck in the world half the time. We're still thinking like the world. That's just kind of mean to his family. No, it's actually, it's actually upholding and, and building and edifying to his real family, his real, true, genuine, eternal, spiritual family. Those who do the wills, will of God are members of the eternal family. My final question to us, man is are you an orphan? Hallelujah. Are you an orphan? Are you an orphan? I'm not talking about those who have lost parents. I'm not talking about those who have estranged from their families. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about like a real eternal orphan. Like you don't know God as your Savior. You don't know Christ as your Savior. You do not know the Father. And I'm talking about people that are going through the motions of being a Christian. From the outside, they look like, oh, no, that guy's that guy's in the eternal family. That gal's in the girl, eternal family. But if you, But you examine your own heart. You examine your own mind, and you know I'm not in. I'm not part of this. I'm not a brother and a sister the way Christ talked about. It. I'm not a mother or a father the way Christ talked about. It. Some of us are that way. And guys, I want us to, man, be really thinking, really thinking about this week. Do I need to have God expose my heart in this? Just like we had the unforgiveness thing. That was amazing, man. I saw people, like, all of a sudden break free, right? And and yet, some of us are still struggling with going through the motions, calling ourselves Christians, calling ourselves churchgoers, calling ourselves godly people, and we're not. And it's time to let God break our hearts for that. And let us truly step into, man, he is like, I am adopting you. How many kids in foster care, how many kids in orphanage are waiting for parents to come get them? And yet, we've got a parent that is saying, I got you, I choose you. And we're like, ah, I'm cool. I'm good talking about you. I'm good studying about you. I'm good learning about you. I'm good even finding out what you say in the Greek and impressing all my friends with how much I know. I'm good with serving. I'm good with all kinds of things. I do all kinds of things in your name. But I don't really know you. And see, next week, guys, we have baptism. I've had several people say, I'm really thinking about that. Don't think about it. Obey. If you haven't, if you need to rededicate and you want to get back, do it. Step into that obedience. Step into that brotherhood and that sisterhood and that motherhood and that fatherhood of what it means to be a family, what it means to be eternal. Amen? Amen. Father, man, I, I don't even know why you do what you do. I don't know why you have loved us the way you love us, man. There is no reason. I know what I've done, God. I've known the crappy stuff that probably just shattered your heart that I've done. And there is no one in here that's deserving of this adoption. Not anybody playing music on the stage. Not anybody preaching. Not anybody making coffee, not anybody watching Kids City and, and teaching the children about you. None of us, and even the children downstairs, are undeserving. God, that is a, a, a mind blowing thought. But you love us enough to reach out, to sign that adoption paperwork, and say, I'm choosing you. Amen. God, may we accept that choosing. May we accept that adoption. We love you so much. And it is in your sons, impossible, strange to a lot of us, weird to a lot of us, unthinkable, beautiful, perfect name. All God's people said